Listen, Trevor, you know how much I like you and your sister. I don't want anything to happen to either of you, but whatever she's gotten herself into with this new girl, it isn't a game. After retreating from the gallery, Jimmy had made his way back to the lid, arriving just in time to catch Trevor Dawson as he was walking out of the towering glass entryway. Trevor had paused as Jimmy strolled up quickly, sensing the concern in his sweet mate's voice. Sarah's bright. She's not going to get in too deep with anything, Chopper. You just need to relax. Besides, Willem is actually giving me a run for my money this year. I need to be focused, or the lead will slip to him. Nah, no way that happens. He's pretty and all, but his dad has hollowed him out so badly, he'll crumble when it really matters. He always does. Trevor chuckled at that. Jimmy. He liked Willem well enough. But additions were, well, it was no different than facing a friendly foe on the field. Besides, talented competition raised everyone's skills, and getting the lead was no guarantee of moving to the next level. As the pair were talking, Mistress McLean and Master Adonis exited the building arm in arm. No one was really sure what their relationship was. Neither wore a wedding ring, nor bore the same name, but given how inseparable they were, most just assumed they were in some form of long-term commitment. Oh, Trevor, your dancing has really improved this year. If I'm not mistaken, you must have spent half the summer in rehearsals. Mistress McLean smiled demurely at Trevor as Adonis looked on appraisingly. Anyone meeting Cressida for the first time would have no idea how ferociously protective she was of her dancers. From the first day that Trevor stepped on the stage, she had been recruiting him to invest more and more time in studying dance over vocals. For his part, Trevor enjoyed dancing, all the more so as his skill increased. Oh, <laughs> not half, mistress. I spent the full summer break at Lafette's. Ballet, mostly. Trevor was proud of his progress, and rightly so, given the amount of work he'd put in. I intend on earning the lead this year, and the solo. Well, well, you've a better shot than you think. With Janice disappearing like that, I wonder if Willem will ever be right. He just can't seem to focus any longer. Tell me, Trevor, of the remaining female leads, do you have a preference? Cressida slowly tilted her head toward him, her eyes flashing mischievously. Why not make Willem the female lead? Interrupted Jimmy with a sly sneer, receiving a thump in the arm for his trouble. <laughs> Jimmy, come on, responded Trevor. But he in turn was cut off by Adonis's thoughtful response. Actually, Mr. Franks, that... that is a very interesting proposition. Willem has the range... It would be a blow to the women's houses to lose a lead role entirely. But what am I to do? Adonis made a dramatic gesture of surrender before stepping away, pulling Cressida along with him, his attention now seemingly on to some other matter of greater importance. It's not a bad idea. Not entirely unheard of, either. The boys could hear the mistress respond as the pair of masters strolled away through the garden. After they were out of earshot, Jimmy thumped Trevor on the arm in return. <laughs> that would solve it. Can you imagine Willem as your leading lady? Too bad your sister isn't old enough to take the part. 
She'd be magnificent. She hates singing. And I've already put in a good word for you, Jimmy. There's no need to keep blowing that horn, okay? She has a mind of her own, you know. I can't force her to take you to the winter formal. Trevor shook his head slowly, but chuckled lightly. He could at least appreciate Jimmy's undaunted pursuit. What? I would never take advantage of our friendship. Jimmy feigned, looking hurt as he continued. I care about you both, your whole family. We've been friends for years, and I'm telling you that all this snooping around and looking into the disappearances is only going to end one way, badly. And that roommate of hers is a bad influence. She should never have been paired with a Judy. Seriously, it's an embarrassment to the family name. Trevor sighed and shook his head in mute acknowledgement. I'll talk to her. I can't promise anything, but I'll talk to her. Just keep an eye out for her, okay, Jimmy? I I've got to be able to focus on winning this part. If I do, Ramodes is a shoe-in. You can count on me, Trevor. I've got your back. Even if she doesn't say yes to the formal. Jimmy smiled slyly once more and clapped Trevor on the shoulder one last time before slinking off, leaving Trevor alone near the fountain as an owl's hooting call ushered in the darkening sky. As Trevor was turning to leave, the jingle of a heavy set of keys alerted him to a familiar presence making his way into the garden. Mr. Dawson! I say, you couldn't possibly have a head full of worries on a night like this, could you? Bentley's voice preceded the appearance of the rotund bus driver and handyman. He was one of the few people on campus that everyone liked, and in whom many confided. His sure and easy presence was as much a part of Walgrove as the ancient trees that dotted the campus. Oh, hey Bentley. Nothing serious going on. Um, you know... Actually, since you're here, perhaps you can give me some advice? Trevor settled himself on the wall that ringed the fountain and waited for the older man to plod over, setting a small pail and a pair of head shears down on the fountain's edge. Not about girls, I hope. No, 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 you've always been too busy and focused for that. Bentley mused, lifting his thick fingers to stroke his rounded chin. Can't be the audition for the same reason. Must be... The disappearances. Ah, I thought as much. You know, Trevor, that I can't really talk about any of that. The older man looked about as he said this, as if expecting to see a school official striding up to them at the very mention of the topic. Oddly enough, nothing more than a single bird could be seen fluffing its feathers as it settled atop a shrub about halfway on the other side of the garden. I'm worried about Sarah. That's all. Anything you could tell me. Anything at all would be helpful. Trevor paused, looking up at the older man until Bentley sighed and settled himself down on the fountain's edge as well. Taking out a neatly folded rag, Bentley dabbed unnecessarily at his forehead for a moment before replying. The night the guards disappeared, somehow all of the security footage was erased. Bentley folded the simple cloth and placed it back into his pocket without looking at Trevor. Across the garden, the small bird fluffed its feathers noisily as a light breeze began to push a few recently fallen leaves across the stone walkway. Keeping his voice calm, Trevor nodded and stood slowly. 
there's only a few people on campus that could pull something like that off. And as it happens, I know one of them very well. Lifting his backpack to his shoulder, Trevor smiled down at Bentley, who remained seated. Thank you, sir. Just one last thing. Bentley took his time standing, even as he lifted a hand to stop Trevor from finishing his question. I know what you're going to ask. The new girl, Cassie. Seems like everyone's interested in her, especially the headmistress. She's a good girl, talented. I think you'd like her if you gave her a chance. I think she's in trouble, Trevor. I don't know whether to recommend that you help her or stay away. I think I know what to do. Family has to come first, after all. Saying this, the young man slipped out of the garden and down the path. But rather than heading toward the dorms, he took the lane that led toward Quibley Hall, determination cutting across his angular features. Janice scrabbled at self-awareness, like grasping at a soap bubble in the air. Breathing didn't seem to be an issue for her, but other basic mental functions like thought, reason, and even the tentative sense of self were like fireflies flickering in the shadows. She knew that her eyes were observing, but it was as though the images were never processed into recollection as the young woman floated within a void of sights unseen and sounds unheard. Let me go. I promise. I, I promise I'll never come back. Please. Please let me go. Janice thought the words as much as spoke them, the sound of her voice echoing oddly in her mind. Somehow, she knew she was not alone. There were others here as well. Some seemed familiar though she didn't know how she knew this. And then there was the darkness. She shivered as she thought of it. You don't scare me. You're just an imagination. Just w wait. Someone will come looking for me. And when they find me... Janice's voice drifted off. What was it that she was talking about? The thought drifted away in a swirl. The creature watched her, watched them, its growing collection. Their odd and gangly bodies floating in a kind of temporal stasis like so many corporal dolls. This was not enough, or perhaps the ones it had collected were simply wrong. Either way, the creature needed to collect more, to study them and discern why they were of so much greater interest than the other creatures that walked the surface above. Surely one of them held the secret to the creature's release from captivity. Gliding over to the most recent in its collection, the Ningalix stroked fingers softly across its face. It purred. Immediately, the captive's countenance changed into a rictus of pain or longing. The Ningalix knew this somehow could not yet distinguish between the two. It knew that its touch on this one was different than the others, and so the Ningalix 
sang to it, soothingly until the captive creature settled into silence once again. The sounds this one made were different each time, giving the Ningalits the opportunity to practice its voicings. I need... I need to tell Willem. Willem. Janice mumbled, her voice muted, as though spoken through a mouthful of honey. The Ningalics murmured, repeating the word once again. It was not an unpleasant utterance of the creature as it glided back toward the surface where it could sense the presence of two more of these creatures. Two more to add to its collection. The Ningaliks could feel anger flowing from these two. The sensation it knew well, licking its teeth in anticipation of the feast to come. As the Ningaliks caressed her cheek, self-awareness returned in a jolt to Janice, with it the cold and the terror of her situation. By this time, she saw something more, something familiar. It was Willem, along with another boy whose face she could not make out, and perhaps two additional scholars behind them? They were walking toward her, walking toward the creature, toward the trap. In that moment, Janice Janice. screamed the only thing that she could think to scream. Willem's name. I'm not going back down there. Besides, they've locked that room up tight. Cassie and the others had arrived at the quib and snuck quietly to one of the labs that she had been using over the past few weeks. It was Willem that suggested, no, demanded that they go to the large room on the lower floor where the security officers had disappeared. If what you're saying is true about how the guards disappeared, then this is the only thing that makes sense. Trace your steps back to the beginning to the only thing we know. Listen to Willem, Cassie. He's right. You know it. I can see it in your eyes. Whittle's voice had been uncharacteristically soft ever since Willem had arrived, an observation that was irritating Cassie to no end. Uh, Didn't you say you were the one to open the uh, portal thing, whatever it is? Wit? If Cassie doesn't want to go, no one is forcing her, but... Time is running short. I say we at least try to confirm that this dream world exists. Willem's gaze had brushed across Cassie, but only briefly as he turned a shoulder toward her while replying to Whittle, his body separating the two. That's like the worst bad movie idea ever. Ludo interjected before being hushed by harsh stare from all three of the women simultaneously. What? Don't any of you watch movies? 
You know I'm right. What dream world? What are you all talking about? As one, the group turned to the now open door to see Trevor Dawson standing silhouetted against the darkness of the hallway, with his hand grasping the doorknob and a critical look spread across his brow. Sarah and Ludo both <gasps> shrieked briefly before covering their mouths, Ludo's face going crimson as Whittle lopped an appraising eyebrow at it. You're making enough racket for the whole academy to hear you. Sarah, whatever you're getting yourself mixed up in, this needs to end now. You can't tell me what to do, Trevor. I know exactly what I'm doing. Clearly, you don't. None of you know what you're doing. Look, I... He held a hand up to ward off something that Willem was about to say. Let me speak. Trevor paused a moment until the others had all nodded sullenly and turned toward Willem as he responded. I get it, Willem. You want to find Janice. If it were Molly, I'd feel the same way. I'd, I'd probably be doing even more to try to bring her back. You and Molly? Cassie blurted incredulously before yelping as Sarah stomped on her foot and gave her a fierce look. Ow! Ignoring Cassie's outburst, Trevor turned toward Sarah. This isn't a prank, Sarah. It's not a play, and it certainly isn't a game. People we care about are disappearing. They aren't coming back, and no one knows how it's happening or what to do to make it stop. But that's the point, Trev. The school isn't doing anything. Worse, they're covering it up. Willem interjected as he looked back to Whittle, who had laid a gentle hand on his shoulder. Cassie's stomach nodded as she watched the pair of them, bewildered at her own reaction. Whittle was just being kind. You all know I'm right. You've thought about this, Trevor. I know you have. How many more people need to disappear before we do something about it? And now, with Cassandra here, who somehow has access to her strange dream world where she's heard Janice's voice? It's the first lead we've had. The first bit of information that anyone has that they might still be alive. You said it yourself. You would do anything. As Willem spoke, Cassie watched Trevor trying to gauge his response, noticing subconsciously that he too was quite handsome, different than Willem, not as chiseled, but very... Ouch! What was that for? Cassie yelped as she pulled her foot back. Sarah apparently stomped on her foot again and was now giving her a look of stark disapproval. Ignoring the back and forth between the roommates, Trevor replied to Willem. If we want help, we need to take what everyone knows to Grandmistress Floquet. That's what reasonable people would do. Willem, if we have a chance to save Janice and the others, we will need help. We can't and shouldn't try to do this on our own. Crossing her arms over her chest, Sarah strode up to her brother, her diminutive height in comparison to him, not dimming the force of her will. We're doing this, Trevor. You can help or you can get out of the way. Your choice. But make it quickly, because I have a feeling we don't have much time left. Thank you, Mr. Franks, Mr. Dine. I appreciate you bringing this to my attention. Mistress Audrey Maud sat primly behind the simple wooden desk 
that was the sole piece of furniture in an otherwise starkly appointed dormitory office. Molly O'Dine and Jimmy Franks were two of her newest prefects, and as such had tended to bring more to her attention than others. But this bit of news concerned the dorm mistress. If I may add, dorm mistress, I don't think that Sarah Dawson had anything to do with this. Jimmy's mouth curled slightly as he recognized Molly's desire to protect Sarah, given her interest in her older brother. Ignoring this smirk, Molly continued in her serious manner. I believe that Miss Cole... You do seem to have taken an inordinate amount of interest in Miss Cole. Truly, dorm mistress, I am not trying to show disfavor towards her, but she has shown no interest in adopting to life at Walgrove. Rather the opposite. She seems intent on upending all of our traditions. All of them? Oh my... That's very ambitious of her. Mistress Maud cut in again, watching carefully as Molly blushed at this second rebuke. What Molly and I are trying to say, Mistress, is that with the recent disappearances, we're worried. Having scholars ignoring the curfew and meeting secretly across campus... Clearly their meetings are not so secret, if you are so quickly aware of them. Now, are they, Mr. Franks? It was Jimmy's turn to blush this time but Mistress Maud relented with a small wave of her hand. I understand you are both worried. You are both observing that our reasonable rules are being broken and that the problem is spreading rather than remaining with just a roommate or two. Yes, Mistress. As it happens, I have a meeting with the Headmistress tomorrow evening. I will bring this matter to her then. In the meantime, you're both prefects. You are aware of your responsibilities and the limits to your authority. I encourage you to think for yourselves, act within your roles, and offer some amount of leniency, remembering that you too were once first years yourselves. And as I recall, neither of you perfectly adhered to every rule and guideline. After a long sigh, Molly nodded and stood with Jimmy before expressing her thanks to the dorm mistress and departing the small office. After they had moved beyond earshot of the dorm mistress's office, Molly stomped a foot to the ground as she spun toward Jimmy, staring up at him with fire in her eyes, matching that of her red hair. I swear she takes that girl's side constantly. We did it the right way, Molly. You'll see. We've covered our tracks, and we've essentially received the mistress's permission to take action. If we're a little harsh, we'll feign ignorance. Inside, Jimmy smiled as he saw the rising ire of his fellow prefect. He could see why Trevor liked her, even though the couple had not yet had the DTR talk. Still, the girl could be scary tough, which he was finding more endearing all the time. Whatever, so, where are they? At the quib, you say? Molly had already begun striding toward the exit her hands closing in fists as determination set about her shoulders like a cloak. Chuckling lightly, Jimmy dug into his pocket for the ever-present digital recorder. This was absolutely going to be worth capturing. He only wished he had his camera on hand as well. Mistress Maud remained seated scribbling idly on a writing pad until the sound of the exit door opening and closing reverberated in her office. With a click, the mistress turned off the small electric lamp on her desk, and in a blink, the tall woman disappeared. In her place, 
fluttered a small starling, its oily black feathers blending perfectly with the shadows of the room. The small bird chittered once as it hopped about before springing with a flutter into the air and out a window that had been propped open on the far side of the room. The air of the large prop room rolled out in a stagnant sigh as the small group of scholars clung to the wall of the darkened corridor. Whittle turned back toward the group and winked as she slowly pulled the previously locked door open. You can learn useful things growing up in the flats. This is the part of the movie where half the party gets eaten by the monster. Cassie paused and threw an arm over her eyes as a bright beam of light swung toward her. Sorry. Last time I'll say this, this is a really, really terrible idea. I mean, all they did was lock the door and left that thing. It sure is creepy. Even for a set backdrop, what's it supposed to be? Sumer. It's a scene looking out from the city across the landscape. Those are date trees, probably, and the two rivers are the Tigris and Euphrates, the cradle of civilization. Show off? Know it all. <laughs> None of you are very good at this clandestine stuff, are you? Okay. So, um, now what? Willem's voice was tinged with anxiety as the dim hue from Sarah's flashlight revealed his face, transfixed by the mural that hung before them all, its frame edged in strange designs. Wit knows the song. I think she just needs to sing it. Neither of you were here last time. Last time, two, two grown men disappeared. No one has ever come out. They always go in. Someone find a rope and tie it to my waist. Willem commanded ignoring Cassie as he strode toward the hanging screen. Think about it, Will. I have been thinking of nothing else. Janice returns. If there's even the smallest shred of hope, we have to try. None of you have to get close to the thing. I can handle this. Cassie has a point, Will. We should get help and not try to be heroes. Cassie was a bit shocked to hear Trevor come to her side. But he too was quickly rebuffed, this time by Sarah. The love of wit! We need you to sing the phrase, or teach it to me! We're here, we have a chance, let's get this done instead of sitting around like we're in some ethics class discussion. Sarah threw her hands in the air, casting withering looks toward anyone that dared to look in her direction. We need to do this. We need to try. The rest of you can leave if you want, but I'm staying until we at least try. This might be our only chance to figure out what's going on. Oh, for the love of... Uh, look. Everyone, just stay away from the... The... Thing. The, uh, the, the backdrop. Whittle shook her head as she took a slow step forward and steadied her breathing. After a quick backward glance toward Cassie, Whittle began to sing the phrase she had sung the last time the pair had been in the room. In a moment... Will's ethereal voice joined hers, then Trevor as well, until at last the entire rim of the screen began to glow, faintly at first. But as the notes continued, the strange symbols shimmered, cascading between blue and deep violet hues. Then, just like before, a chill breeze swept into the room, and with it, cascading snowflakes. It's open. Whittle, Trevor, keep singing. 
Uh, Will, call to her. Maybe she'll hear your voice. Cassie, Ludo, and Sarah had unconsciously huddled together, nearly standing on one another as the air continued to chill and the image on the large hanging screen grew translucent, revealing what appeared to be the dark inner walls of a vast cavern. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. Please stop. Please. All of you. Cassie's voice was tight with concern. Fear creeping up her spine as a deep sense of foreboding washed over her. She wanted to run, but somehow felt rooted to the floor. Janice! Janice! Are you there, Janice? Willem's voice echoed hollowly. Not just within the room, but deep within the cavern that stretched before them, like some monstrous gaping jaw. Willem took one hesitant step forward, followed by another. Sarah yelped as she sprinted to the side of the room, grabbed a coil of thick hemp cord, and dragged it back awkwardly toward Willem, whose eyes remained transfixed on the shimmering veil before them. I can help, chimed Ludo as he aided Sarah in pulling the rope further forward before wrapping and cinching one end around Willem's waist. Okay, Will, um, one tug if you want us to pull you out. I think that's how it's supposed to work. Ludo's voice cut off abruptly as the sound of a scream rent the silence. No! No! It was Cassie, her face pale, a look of horror gripping her normally beautiful countenance. As one, Whittle and Trevor stopped singing, turning toward Cassie and then following her gaze back to the shimmering portal that began to fade along with the last echoing ring of the song. No! Keep singing! Janice! I'm here! It's Will! It's- As the window to the other world began to fade, a last breath of snow shimmered through the portal, swirling about the legs of a young woman who stepped once, then twice into the room, before collapsing into the arms of Willem, who had sprinted ahead as he saw the figure appear out of the gloom. Willem. Janice! Janice! It's you! It's you, Janice! It's you! In sheer panic, Cassie had thrown herself into the door and bolted down the dark corridor, careening into an exposed pipe that threw her to the ground. Quickly, she had risen, scrambling frantically before exploding through the back exit door and out into the cool autumn air. For a time, she ran. She ran as fast as she could run, not fully knowing why. She had seen nothing, only felt something. Felt as though something were being torn from her. After some time, Cassie collapsed, her legs burning, and there she lay, curled on the ground at the foot of a large oak, with the towering shadow of the sleeping turtle looking down at her. Her breath came in quick, short gasps as she fought back sobs that wanted to bubble to the surface. There she stayed for a time, allowing the quiet of the night to soak in until she heard the low rumble of an engine and the crunch of gravel beneath slow-rolling tires. A door opened, followed by the crunch of booted feet, slowly making their way toward her, before stopping just shy of where she lay. Well now, are the beds really as hard as that? The familiar and kindly voice of Bentley seemed suited to the night. As Cassie made no move to reply, Bentley knelt and lay a warm, calloused hand gently on her head. There, there, little one. You're much too big for these old bones to lift you on my own. But I can't just let you stay out here in the night. 
You'll catch a cold, or worse. With a groan, Cassie rolled over and then up onto her knees, accepting the offered hand that lifted her easily up and tugged gently toward the waiting truck. I'm... I'm okay, Bentley. I don't know what came over me. Well, I certainly do. Seems you and those friends of yours have been getting into more trouble. But I suppose if you really did find the girl, then, well, that's certainly something. How did you... Cassie began just as Bentley opened the passenger side door to reveal Ludo, sitting in the middle of the truck's lone bench seat. Your frenemy here, young fellow what gave you all the trouble, peas from a pod it seems, came by in a crazy panic. Woke me out of bed to come help find you. Bentley shook his head as he pulled himself into the driver's door and closed it with a rusty thud. I had to find you, Cassie. The others, I think, I, I... Ludo stammered as if he was trying to find the right words. Cassie settled into the seat beside him and pulled the door closed as he finished his thought. I think I... I... I think I felt it too. Cassie Cole is voiced by the amazing J.D. Rose from Goodham Productions. Sarah Dawson and Aunt Noni are voiced by Nikki Richardson from Top of the Round. Willem Marshall IV is voiced by Storm S. Cohn from Goodham Productions. Whittle Apple is voiced by Dietrich Marie Bowie. Headmistress Pearl Floquet is voiced by Rachel Finley from Goodham Productions. Ludo Van Ness is voiced by Adam LeGrave from The Tall Grass Podcast. Janice Tremaine is voiced by Beth Yadden. Bentley the Bus Driver and Master Grimpen Galleon are voiced by Brad Zimmerman from The Gigantic Adventures of Jeff and Simon and Fate of Bison Podcast. Jimmy and Bobby Franks are voiced by Kenneth Eccles from Podcast Reviews Reviews Podcast. Mistress Cressida McLean is voiced by Julie Miller from The Podville Podcast. Master Bale Adonis is voiced by Corbin Miller from The Podville Podcast. Mistress Cynthia Zeltrix is voiced by Haley Munoz from Goodham Productions. Molly O'Dine is voiced by Susanna Lewis from The Thornvale Podcast. Trevor Dawson is voiced by Cody Miller from Goodham Productions. Alastair Montrose and Willem Marshall III are voiced by Jordash Richardson from Top of the Round. Mistress Audrey Maud is voiced by Kate Willinga from The Ignorance Was Bliss podcast. Garrett Black and Harvey Kettle are voiced by Mike Atchley from Goodham Productions. Lanana is voiced by Brian Dowling from Goodham Productions. The Ningalix is voiced by Jolene Fresquez from Goodham Productions. The music, singing, foley, and sound effects are all original creations of our insanely talented cast and crew at Goodham Productions. Please join us in applauding the tremendous talent of these wonderful friends and creators, and be sure to discover a whole new range of fantastic content as you explore each of our shows, podcasts, and creative endeavors. 
To learn more, visit us online at goodhamproductions.com. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe, and if you love the show, we'd love to hear and read your reviews.